Hello, I'm Dr. David Stanton. Welcome to this episode of Paideia Ponderings. Wanted to take just a, a few minutes um, right as we end 2020. And goodness, so many times I've, I've heard the phrase, I've said the phrase, I am so excited that we are going to see the end of 2020. Who would have thought as we started this year that so much would change from elections to pandemics uh, to so many other different things that have changed in our world. It has really truly been a, uh, an up and down roller coaster over 2020. You know, this is also that week that uh, I've seen some memes that have said, you know, the, the week between Christmas and New Year is the, the week where nobody knows what day it is or what they're supposed to be doing. And for many people that post-Christmas season is taking down the tree and the lights, returning gifts that don't fit, uh, starting to take stock of life as the end of the year approaches and a new one's about to start. Why is it that we do that at year's end, especially this year? And, uh, and why do we make plans to do things differently in the next year? Well, about 4,000 years ago, it was the ancient Babylonians who began the concept of a New Year's resolution and to celebrate the dawning of the New Year. They celebrated in a 12-day religious festival uh, the celebration of Akitu. Uh, the Babylonians reaffirmed their loyalty to their king, promised their gods to pay off debts to return anything they borrowed. And if they kept these promises, the Babylonians believed their gods would show them favor. If not, the gods would display their, their displeasure. We'll fast forward quite some time to ancient Rome uh, when Julius Caesar changed the calendar to establish around the year 46 BC, January 1st is the beginning of the new year. And this was named after January, the, named after the Roman god Janus or Janus. Uh, he's a key member of the Roman pantheon. And his two faces showed the Romans he was both looking backwards into the previous year while simultaneously looking forward to the new. Early followers of Christ took this concept to think through their past year's mistakes and sins and determined and resolved to do better in the future. Well, in 1740, the famous English clergyman John Wesley, who would be one of the founders of the Methodist Church, created the Covenant Renewal Service, which was held on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, where resolutions were offered and prayers given for the new year. Well, nowadays, we all gather on TV to watch Dick Clark's rockin' New Year's Eve and a crystal ball drop down a flagpole while trying to sing the words to Auld Lang Syne, which it seems no one, including myself, ever remembers. So as we prepare to say goodbye to 2020, um, it's, it's a time to start looking. And, and I took a, a list of resolutions <clears throat> from 2019, the, the top New Year's resolutions for 2019. I'll just read a couple of them. The, the first three involved dieting, exercising more, losing weight. The next one, save more, spend less, learning a new skill or hobby, quit smoking, read more, find another job, drink less alcohol, or spend more time with family and friends. I wonder if that resonates with anybody. It seems like it's the same, um, the same 
few resolutions that get recycled each year and, and usually last through January, uh, maybe February at, at best. But I want us to look at New Year's resolutions this year in a different way. I want to encourage us to stop worrying about the typical resolutions, going to the gym, eating less, getting healthier, reading your Bible more is another uh, classic Christian uh, New Year's resolution. You know, you should do those things. You should usually, uh, they're usually done in lip service. There's, again, that doesn't last much past January 31st. So um, it's my hope uh, that, that this time serves as a foundation for each of us personally as we're prepared to dive into 2021 is uh, is a different way of looking at resolutions. I want to describe some things that uh, I've had the, the ability to study from a group known as Freedom in Christ Ministries. I want to encourage you to look into this group and its resources and the truths that resonate with you uh, because they are based in God's Word. So let's spend some time doing a, a shake-up of our New Year's resolution making. Let me offer this one last introductory thought. Um, There are likely three groups of people listening. Mature Christians who have a well-developed personal relationship with Jesus and continue to wrestle with moving closer to Him in their lives. For you, I I hope this is an encouraging message, offers you more truth to rejoice in and move toward in your walk with Jesus. Secondly, there may be those in our hearing in the audience who were ambivalent to God. You may be sitting listening to this and know Jesus only as the baby in the manger, the man on the cross, or the name we so often hear taken in vain. We are upset, but the truth of who he truly is is not yet real to you. I pray this is a lesson for you to hear the truth, that Jesus came to earth, born of a virgin, but grew to be the sacrifice for our sins on Calvary's cross and who wants to have a personal relationship with each person on earth in order to save each of us from the penalties of sin. And finally, there are those here listening who are likely stuck in a rut when it comes to Christianity. Maybe you've made the decision to follow Jesus or maybe you're still investigating his claims. Perhaps you are thinking it's not something you can accept or so much you don't understand about this Christian faith. I pray this lesson opens both your eyes and your heart to the truth of Jesus and who he really is and wants to be in your life. Well, these uh, suggestions or these truths rather, not suggestions, these truths from Freedom in Christ Ministries are kind of broken down, and, and I want to break them down into the same categories that, that they do. The first is one called I Am Accepted, and, and I'm just going to just talk about a couple. Um, to be accepted is simply to be given approval. Uh, we are fully belonging to a group. It's the opposite of, of rejection. It's what we're, what we're all really looking for. You know, we are not to focus on the approval of man, but revel in our acceptance of God. Peter himself, um, in his letter, reminds us, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood. Well, there are two truths in this category. The first, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. And second, I am complete in Christ. To be redeemed and forgiven of all our sins, we're reminded from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We are accepted by God, and that just as he rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, he chose to rescue us through the blood of his son, Jesus. We are accepted because God chose to send Jesus to earth to die for us. We have redemption. It comes from the Greek word, and I'm going to butcher the Greek word, I apologize, apolytrosis, which typically has two meanings in scripture. A release affected by payment of ransom or to let one go free on receiving the price. So we are literally released from punishment by a payment of ransom. We are let go for free because a price was paid for us. And that price, of course, was Jesus' death on the cross. That is acceptance for certain. And secondly, I am complete in Christ. For in him, Colossians tells us, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In these verses, Paul is reaffirming there and our acceptance in Christ to the Colossians, their acceptance and then ours. We are complete in him. We don't need any self-help guides or resolutions to make ourselves feel better about who we are. We are accepted by Jesus, the one who paid the ransom for us and then freely accepts us. Moving on to the second category, to be secure, to be free from danger, free from risk or loss. We're told in Proverbs that that security looks like um, what Proverbs says in chapter 3. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Our security is eternal. Just as Paul tells us in Philippians, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So in that category of secure, it's the truth from Freedom in Christ Ministries. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love power and a sound mind because Paul tells Timothy for God has not given us the spirit of fear it's it's so funny doesn't it seem every two years we're told that the next election and we were certainly told this one will be the most important in our time and even as we figure out how this is all going to play out in the next year with just over 20 days till inauguration day There's so many things that are trying to get us to fear. I'm not going to argue we simply allow the political process to go on. We don't concern ourselves with the outcome. We certainly should. I believe we're called to actively seek out the best candidate anytime we vote. And we would do that by looking through the lens of a Christian worldview and exercise our right to vote. But it is also evident and clear that God has all things under control. Certainly, he provides us with free will, but he gives us the power that is opposite of fear, that of love and a sound mind. We fear things, it's true, but we are not to fear 
this world, it's a nice phrase, but it is very challenging to live out. Paul reminds us, though, I'm sorry, Peter reminds us, um, however, God has not given us to fear, rather, who is there to harm you if you, uh, if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. And finally, the, the category that I wanted to address is that I am significant. To be significant, to have meaning especially, or to have a likely influence or effect. We have meaning and influence. We are of importance to God. God chose not only to make us in creation, but he chose to redeem us through his Son. And so the category there talks to this truth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What obstacles stand in your way? What obstacles stand in my way to following the Lord in all areas of your life? Is it fear? Is it how we look to others? Is it what others will think? Is it doubt? Is it something else? We're reminded in Mark 9.23 that everything is possible for him who believes. Not a magical cure-all, a panacea, but a promise that God will ask of us what can be achieved. He's asking you to move in an area of your life fraught with discomfort or fear, filled with anger or jealousy, filled with sin and guilt. He's asking you to trust him you are able to accomplish it with his help. We're significant to him, so significant, that he provides a way for us to reach in every one of life's problems, sins, troubles, and issues. Well, today we're often given the self-help mantra that if you believe something enough, it will become true. What a lie. We are told instead throughout scripture that the Bible God's word is true and we should believe it. If we are to believe in God's word as truth, then we must accept that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He won't let us fail or falter, but he will provide for us the Holy Spirit to lean on and to guide us. So I ask yourself some questions. Are there any of these truths you're particularly struggling to believe? anything you're wrestling with. And in that case, I encourage you to continue to pray through them, to realize how much it is that God loves you. How perfect is his will to hear the opposite, that Satan would tell you you are a sinner because you sin, but God will tell you you are a saint, one declared righteous by God who sins. Satan would say your identity comes from what you have done. God's truth is that your identity comes from what God has done for you. The world would tell you your identity comes from what people say about you. God's truth says your identity comes from what God says about you. Satan in the world will tell you your behavior tells you what to believe about yourself. God's truth tells you your belief about yourself determines your behavior. So as we close out this rough year called 2020, be encouraged that you have right standing with God. 
You need to move toward him this next year. You need to accept the love that he has. And you need to live this year each day for his glory and for the purposes he has in store for you. With that, with just over a day to go, I also look forward to 2020 being put in the rearview mirror and wish you a very happy new year from all of us at Oakdale Academy. If you want to learn more about us and classical Christian education, please look us up online, www.oakdaleacademy.com. You can certainly email us info or admissions, both at oakdaleacademy.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and again, Happy New Year.